We got a full house today. This is awesome. <laughs> and for the sake of those of you guys who have to sit in the front row because of the full house, I'll try to keep the splash zone down a bit this morning. But no promises. And it probably won't happen. So I'll just shower you with blessings. <laughs> so how many of you guys like superheroes? Raise your hand if you like superheroes. All right, yeah, a decent amount. Uh, who has a favorite superhero? Ben? Captain America, all right. Who else? Who has a favorite superhero? Superman. Any, uh, anybody else? Thor. Thor. Oh, you're like Jamie. You, you like him just because of his looks, though, don't you? Uh, I, I know. Wonder Woman, yes, yes, we got a couple Wonder Women over here. One last one. Aquaman, Aquaman, awesome. Well, uh... Bad news for most of you guys. Good news for you, Ben. You're right. Captain America is the best superhero. The best. That's a fact. If you want to learn more about it, you can talk to Ben or I, and we'll tell you why Captain America is the best superhero. And so this uh, Tuesday morning with the ladies' Bible study, Jen and I talked briefly about uh, we both like superheroes. And for those of you who don't know, Jen's birthday is in May. You have a you have a couple of months to get her, get her a gift, you know, get that thought process starting earlier. Um, but Jen's birthday's in May, and they come out with a new Marvel movie uh, in May, usually. And so for her birthday, first she... Weekend first weekend of May. She usually gets to watch the new Marvel movie for her birthday. And this morning, we just have a short clip from a Captain America uh, movie. So Jen, this is my bir- early birthday gift from me to you. You can play it. Go ahead and play the clip. General Patton, as said, wars are fought with weapons, but they are won by men. We are going to win this war because we have the best men. <laughs> and because we are going to get better. Much better. The Strategic Scientific Reserve is an allied effort made up Hell. 
Yeah, so that, that gentleman right there, that is Captain America. So, uh, Ben, we might have to do some reconsidering when talking about our favorite superhero. Because, no, when people think, uh, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> when people think of Captain America, they don't think of him before he was a big super soldier. And here he's just a short, little, small, scrawny dude. I mean, the dude could barely do a push-up. I mean, I bet my wife Jamie could beat him in an arm wrestle. I mean, this dude is, he's kind of pitiful. Um, but here we, we know him as a superhero. And so the doctor and the sergeant in that film that you saw, uh, they're trying to find somebody to make a super soldier, a superhero. Um, and they needed them to do that to defeat Germany in World War II. And so they needed to find somebody specifically, one person, to inject the serum in to make a super soldier. And now they thought Steve Rogers, who's Captain America, fit the bill to be a super soldier. But the dude could barely do a push-up. By no means at all was he qualified to be a superhero. He was called to be a superhero. He was called to be a super soldier. But by no means he was qualified to do that. And the same holds true for us as well. We are called before we are qualified. Because God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Let that sink in your head a bit. I see Kayla laughing there a bit. Uh, in Sunday school a couple weeks ago, I heard Kayla say this, and man, she, she's two steps ahead of me. I could have her come up here and speak. But this morning, we're going to be talking about how God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And now this holds true throughout the whole Bible. Every single Bible hero that you can think of, except maybe to the exclusion of Jesus Christ, was called before they were qualified. For God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called. And every hero of our faith fits that bill. Every single Bible hero, except for Jesus, was called before they were qualified. And to help illustrate this this morning, we're going to go ahead and take a look at uh, Moses. And so we're going to be going ahead and look in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 2. Second book, second chapter. But before we dive into that, I just want to give you guys some background into what's happening before Exodus, before Exodus chapter 2. So near the end of Genesis, there was a man named Joseph, who was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, and who was the son of Abraham, who many of us may be familiar with. And many of us may be familiar with Joseph as well. Joseph, he lived in Egypt, long story short. Um, many of us know the long story, but he lived in Egypt while the rest of his family lived in Israel. But Joseph climbed the ranks in Egypt and he became the second in command in Egypt. The only person who had more authority and power in Egypt than him was the Pharaoh himself. So Joseph, he was a top-notch dude. He was a top dog. He was an alpha dog there in Egypt. And so with that said, Joseph then brought his family along with him into Egypt and so time has passed, a lot of time passed between that and this story. And through that time, uh, the Israelites, Joseph's people, they multipli multiplied greatly. They filled the land. There were many, many of them. And then this new Pharaoh came in town who did not know Joseph because many years had passed. 
And this new Pharaoh, he feared the Israelites. He thought the Israelites were far too numerous and powerful for his liking. So this Pharaoh made the Israelites their slaves. And not only that, but this Pharaoh ordered all of the Hebrew or Israelite baby boys to be murdered. He ordered all the Israelite baby boys to be murdered. This reminds me a lot of the time of Jesus where Herod ordered all of the baby boys as well to be murdered. But here, Pharaoh had the audacity to order all of the Hebrew or Israelite baby boys to be murdered. I mean, we, we talked about in our time of prayer requests and praises, many, many people lost a child here um, in, or in the community around us, and, and that's, that's hard to deal with. That, that's painful to lose a child. It's the most precious uh, commodity that we have as humans is a child. But here, Pharaoh ordered all of the baby boys who are Hebrew Israelite to be murdered. That's, that's quite a, a stark task that Pharaoh ordered here. And so there was a Levite woman, uh, which was one of the tribes of Israel. And this Levite woman had a son, a baby boy, a Hebrew Israelite baby boy. And according to Pharaoh's decree or law, that baby boy needed to be murdered. But of course, the, this Levite woman loved her child. And so she did everything that she could to keep this child. So for three months, she raised this baby boy without anybody knowing. But then it would be... The baby boy was getting older, and it was harder and harder for her to hide the baby. So the best choice that she had was to set the baby in a basket and to set, let the baby float down a river and just hope for the best. And of all the people, of all the people in the world who could have stumbled across this Israelite baby boy, Pharaoh's daughter stumbled across this Israelite baby boy. And so, of course, Pharaoh's daughter, being a faithful daughter to her, to her father, she had the baby boy killed. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I see many of you guys give me weird looks. Yes, that's not true. You would think Pharaoh's daughter would have the baby boy killed because she would be faithful to her father. But actually, Pharaoh's daughter took in this baby boy, took in this baby, and had this baby taken care of. And she claimed him as his own eventually. And she named that baby boy, any guesses? Moses, that's right. That is the beginnings of Moses' life. So Moses is, Moses is, that's a tricky one. Words are tricky for me sometimes. Moses is a Hebrew or Israelite, uh, he has Hebrew or Israelite genealogy, but he was raised by Egyptians. And so we pick up here, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And it reads, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When, we, when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So here we have Moses, who, ha who really is a Hebrew and Israelite, but raised by Egyptians. 
And so Moses is walking, walking along the road, just having a normal day, a normal stroll. And then all of a sudden, he sees an Egyptian beating up an Israelite. And he looks this way, and he looks that way, and he realizes nobody's looking. And so Moses kills the Egyptian. Moses murdered the Egyptian. Moses is a murderer. Moses is a person who would be locked up in prison for life here in our society. Moses was a murderer. But then the next day, two Hebrews were fighting. And Moses was like, guys, guys, what's the big deal? Why are you fighting us? And the Hebrews asked, well, who made you the Lord and prince over us? Are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses, I'm sure he gave him big eyes. He's like, oh, no, they know. It is known that I am a murderer. So Moses left Egypt. He fled from Egypt, and he went to Midian, and he eventually got married to a woman named Zipporah. And uh, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, when all of a sudden he saw a bush on fire, yet that bush wasn't being consumed by the fire. So very interesting. So again, here Moses was. He'd done no great deeds, no great deeds to take note of, but he was a murderer. He was a murderer. And so he fled and he ran away. And while he was taking flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, uh, he saw a bush on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. And God started to have a conversation with Moses, or an angel of the Lord started having a conversation with Moses. And so we pick up again in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 12. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So again, here, God hears the prayers of his people, the Israelites. He hears the the cryings and the sufferings and the mournings of his people Israel as as they were in slavery to the Egyptians. And so God heard their prayers, heard their crying, and God sent someone to save the people. And of all the people in the world that God could have chose to free the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians, God chose Moses. And Moses responds, who am I? Who am I, God, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He comes up with, the, with these excuses. God, you're, you're picking the wrong person. I shouldn't be the one going, I'm a murderer, you know. But he questions God's judgment. And so Moses and God, they, they're talking more and they're having a conversation. And God's saying, Moses, I'll be with you, man. And Moses is like, I don't know, God. I think you're making the wrong decision. And so again, we skip down a bit, and in uh, chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, we'll pick up in verses 10. 
And it reads, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So here again, we see Moses giving these excuses. He says, God, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Surely I am not the one you want to free the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. Surely, surely I'm not. Please just send someone else. Please, God, send someone else. I don't want to answer your calling that you have for me. And so here we have God is calling Moses to do his work. But here Moses, he's one, Moses is a murderer. Two, Moses was slow of speech. And three, Moses questioned the judgment of the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. Now raise your hand if you think that sounds like someone who is qualified to free God's people out of Egypt. Nobody, none of us. Moses was not qualified for the calling that he had. He was not qualified to be the one that God wanted to free the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. Moses was not qualified. And again, we're talking about Moses this morning, but this applies with every single Bible hero. Every single hero of our faith was not qualified before they were called. We look at Abraham. Abraham was too old. Sarah laughed at God's promise. David was too small and had an affair and had a man killed. Hosea's wife was a prophet. Jacob was a liar. Elijah was depressed. John was self-righteous. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Jonah ran away from God. Noah got drunk. Peter was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. Lazarus was dead. And Paul murdered Christians. These are the heroes of our faith. These are the heroes of our faith. You tell that to an unbeliever, and they'd scoff at you. They'd scoff at you, and they'd say, those are the heroes of your faith? Are you serious? What kind of faith do you have? That's the best that your God has. The best that your God has is a list of these heroes who none of them were qualified. Are you serious? But sure enough, those are our heroes. Not a single one of them was qualified before they were called. And we ask why? Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And now fortunately for Moses and the rest of our Bible heroes, the story didn't end there with God uh, calling the unqualified. The story didn't end there. Moses, after much bickering and deliberation with God and saying, God, you're picking the wrong man. I'm not the one for this. But Moses, after a while, he accepted God's calling. And Moses is undoubtedly one of the greatest heroes of our faith. The Jews revere 
Moses. Moses is their go-to guy. They love Moses. Moses went on to free the Israelites from the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He led them to just across the river from the promised land. God delivered the law through Moses. Through the words of God, Moses wrote the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. Moses wrote those. Moses was, a great, was known as a great man of prayer. Exodus 33, 17 states that Moses found favor in the eyes of God. Man, I would love, I would love to know that I have found favor in the eyes of God. It's, it, it's biblical. Moses found favor in the eyes of God. So although Moses wasn't qualified when he was called, God qualified him through his calling. Again, Moses wasn't qualified when he was called, but God qualified Moses through his calling. And again, that holds with all of the heroes of our faith. Not a single one of them was qualified when they were called, but through their calling, God qualified them, and they all went on to do great things for God. And so what, what does that mean for us? We sit here today, 2,000 years or more, um, after all these events happen, and what does that mean for us today? That, yeah, God calls the qualified, or God doesn't call the qualified, God be careful there, he qualifies the called. What does that mean for us? And to help you guys answer that, I'll tell you what it means for me personally. So I believe that uh, God called me here to be the pastor at North Hills. But it should really be of no surprise to any of us that I'm not really qualified to be here. No way. I'm 21 years old. I'm not really qualified to be here. I'm not qualified to counsel the couple who's having marital problems. I'm not qualified to lead and teach the spiritually mature. I'm not qualified to stand here today and preach God's word unto you all. I'm not really qualified to comfort someone who's going through the loss of a loved one. I'm not qualified to lead God's church, to lead a church, to lead the North Hills Church. I'm not qualified. I'm not. That's the truth. I'm not qualified. However, I believe with all my heart that God called me here. God called me here at North Hills, and I believe he has a very specific purpose for me here at North Hills, and I have to obey that calling. Although I don't feel qualified, I'm not qualified at all, I have to obey God's calling for me in my life. And it's through that calling, it's through that calling and through God's Holy Spirit that I will become qualified. God is in the process of qualifying me on taking on this job, taking on this lead at the North Hills Church. God is qualifying me because I was not qualified for God's calling, but I'm being qualified through God's calling. And so when we talk about God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I hope that message does three things for you. Three things. One, I hope it humbles you. I hope it humbles you. you. You aren't qualified when God calls you. God didn't pick you to do his work because of how great you are. No, not, not, not even close. God didn't pick you because of how great you are. We are totally 
unqualified before God calls us. Number two, this might sound contradictory, but I hope this message empowers you. I hope it humbles you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're humbled by this message that, yeah, we're not qualified before we're called. We're nothing without God. But with God, we're everything, man. With God, we are qualified. God doesn't call the qualified, so good news, for, good news for all of us. He doesn't call the qualified. He calls the unqualified. That's us. And through that calling, he then qualifies us. God didn't call you because of how great you are, but God called you because he loves you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. A purpose and a plan that is special and unique for you and you alone. That's awesome. That's awesome that the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth has a specific purpose for you. A special plan for you. Not because of how great you are, but because he loves you. And because he gives his spirit out to you. And we have his spirit permanently living in us, which qualifies us. God will qualify you for whatever calling he has for you. God will provide a way. God will provide a way as, he, as we are his chosen people. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, near the very end of your book. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Peter writes and talking about you guys. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have power in that. We can be empowered through that. Through accepting God's calling in our life, he will qualify us. We have power with the Holy Spirit living in us. We have power, as we just sang the song right before I got up here, that we are a child of God. I am a child of God. You are a child of God. There's power. There's power in that, friends. Family, brothers and sisters, there's power in being the child of God. And although you aren't qualified for any calling that God has for you, God will qualify you. You will be qualified through your calling. And so the number three thing that I hope that this message does for you is I hope it inspires you to take action. Take action. Just do it. Just do something. God picked you to do his work. God wants you to do his work. God has a special plan and purpose for you. So accept that calling. I don't know what God is calling you to do, but it's something special for each and every one of you. But know assuredly that God is calling you to do something. And I'm going to tell you right now that you're probably not going to feel qualified. And you aren't going to be qualified to accept God's calling but don't let that stop you because God will qualify you through his calling in your life. God will qualify you. Don't wait to feel qualified to take that next step because let me tell you, you'll never, you'll never take that next step. Don't wait to feel qualified for God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so here at this church at North Hills, uh, we're, we're at a very unique point in time. Uh, you guys 
spent two years without a full-time pastor. John stepped in wonderfully. I have mad respect for John as life. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but life didn't just stop for John to be the lay pastor here. He was still a teacher, a coach, a father, a husband, and a preacher. He had his hands full. But here I am now, a full-time pastor. I I thank God for that. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But there's a lot that needs to be done here, guys. There's a lot that needs to be done. And so it's my plea to you, don't wait to feel qualified to do something because you'll never do it then. And you'll be of no use. Don't wait to feel qualified. If you feel God is calling you to serve in a particular fashion here at this church, I plead to you, please, please accept that calling. We need all sorts of people to help. We could always use teacher. We could use greeters. We could use those to help serve in the community. We could use those to help us serve lunches. We need people constantly talking to their friends and family about God and the gospel message in this church. We need those planting the seeds and watering the seeds. We need you. I need you. God needs you. God wants you to help him serve his people, his church. God wants you to help enable us draw closer to him and to reach out to those who are so unfortunate to not know the gospel message. So again, it's my plea to you. Do something. Just do something. You're not going to feel qualified. And truth truth of the matter is you, you probably aren't qualified. But don't let that stop you. For God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So don't wait to feel qualified to do something. Serve God now. Serve God now. And if we have that attitude, if we have that mentality, God is going to do great things through us at this church. I can promise you that. If we have that mentality that we want to serve God now, whether we feel qualified or not, God is going to do great things through us and through this church. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for the gift of your son. Father, we thank you that although we, we aren't qualified for the calling that you have in our life, that, that you have no regard for that. You don't care about that. You call us even though we aren't qualified. And we thank you also that when we do accept your calling, that you qualify us. That we can be servants for you and your son and your coming kingdom. Father, it's my prayer this morning that we together collectively as North Hills Church, that we can accept your calling. We can accept the calling that you have for us and that each one of us individually can accept the calling that you have for us, that we can do great things for you and your son in your coming kingdom. And Father, we love you and we thank you for the many blessings that you poured out onto us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.